0: you're listening to the ai optimist with declan dunn they just need a little something i'll I'll give you two stories on that so my my basic thing is or the way i've tried to explain what i'm doing is the motown of tech you know it's a studio model for um for tech where you're investing in the people right and it is small amounts and you're you're your point is to get them all that they need to become whatever their career is, right? right. Uh, you're going to take in Stevie Wonder. He already knows how to sing, but he needs to get on a stage and he needs to be shown around and he needs to be connected to the person that's going to give him his record deal. And then off he goes. Now he's Stevie Wonder, right? Nice. Um, and sometimes they fail and you've got to be there to say, hey, let's try again. So that's what a studio is, right? As compared to a VC, which is like, I'm gonna put money on 100 bets. One of them's gonna pop. I kind of don't care about the rest, and then I'm just gonna keep doing that year after year, right? Right. Um, so you need to be a studio where people are like, "Oh, this is my place. This is where I'm gonna learn my craft, right? And I'm going to be able to um, thrive because they believe in me, right? Right. So they're gonna keep reinvesting.
1: Imagine an ability to get funding for AI that doesn't require VCs or billion-dollar valuations. And this week, we talk with William A. Adams about a studio that actually invests in people called Wave. And he also shares how he created for the Virgin Islands a mapping system that anyone can use with their voice, an AI use case study that you really like. Let's jump in. But you're developing business support frameworks for budding tech entrepreneurs. And I'd love to know because there's this weird gap that I'm seeing, and I know I'm not seeing it correctly, but coming from the early internet, everything came from the bottom up. The big companies had no clue and the stuff, frankly, came from all the weird nether regions, um, crazy, beautiful like startups. But now it's like it's billion dollar companies and academia coming down and everyone's selling to enterprise. How are, how are you working with the entre- entrepreneurs?
0: Well, the, I just started down this particular path in the last year. And the biggest thing I'm doing right now is just creating the network of uh, people. Uh, anywhere from people with money to um, business owners, um, policymakers, just, just creating the network, right? Yeah. So that I can then have the event Where I bring people together and say, hey, you small business person, here's a customer and there's someone with money who wants to fund you to do stuff with them. Um, Mm -hmm. This is what I'm doing now. It's just building the network and uh, making it possible for people to discover each other, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a lot... it's very interesting because the network of let's let's look at the money people for example like you mentioned it's like a oh, billion dollar VCs and all that sort of stuff but these days there's a lot more smaller investors family offices you know people who are my age or older who've just ended up like I have one friend who's um she's probably 62 63 and she's like the tail end of a whole generation of people she's like My parents have died. I'm the only child. All my aunts and uncles money has landed on me. I have millions of dollars to invest. What should I do? Right. And there's a lot of them. The whole baby boomer generation is full of people like that, where it's like, I'm the end of the line, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) I've got millions of dollars to invest. What should I do? Um, And then there's, uh, on the other end, like you said, the AI tools make it a lot easier to get something started, right? So I counsel um, the budding entrepreneurs like, oh, how do I get into tech? It's like, well, first of all, find your passion. What are you passionate about? Whether it's um, makeup products or fashion or um, agriculture, whatever. Pick your niche and then figure out the AI angle to that thing. And then become, make yourself useful, whether you're just a prompt engineer, like I'm an expert on how to use ChatGPT in this area, or I'm actually making models because I have a, a, a unique access to a particular data set that other people don't have. Right. So I help them with that kind of stuff. And it's just figuring out, well, what is your angle? What's your business? Right. Yeah. And then the network also includes things like, oh, you need an admin, you need a tax accountant, you need a, you know, you need various things. There's just the minutiae of running a small business yeah. that a lot of people don't really think about. It's, I'm going to go into business for myself. Yay. <laughs> and next sure. thing you know, the IRS is knocking on the doors like, well, you didn't report your blah, blah, blah in the last quarter. And we come to the principal's office. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so just just letting people know it's like, okay, let's let's have a little seminar on how do you run a small business and what are the gotchas and how do you make sure that all this stuff is taken care of? Um, so it's just putting together all of that, right? Uh, in particular for uh, minorities, black and brown people and women, um, because a lot of times we don't have um, people in our social circles that know all of that and yeah. have been through all that. When you go to other circles, uh, it's like, oh, yeah, my dad's been the CEO of blah, blah, blah. And our family has a long history of knowing how to do business. It's like, well, when you turn to our neighborhoods, you don't have that history. Mm. So you don't have that knowledge. So it's, it's important to tell people, hey, here's a whole bunch of stuff that you need to know, you know, and let's help you go through it. So that's where I'm at. That's what I'm doing now. They just need a little something. I'll I'll give you two stories on that. So my, my basic thing is, or the way I've tried to explain what I'm doing is the Motown of tech. You know, it's a studio model for, um, for tech where you're investing in the people. Right. And it is small amounts and your, your, your point is to get them all that they need to become whatever their career is. Right. Right. Uh, you're going to take in Stevie wonder. He already knows how to sing but he needs to get on a stage and he needs to be shown around and he needs to be connected to the person that's going to give him his record deal. And then off he goes. Now he's Steve wonder. Right. Um, And sometimes they fail and you've got to be there to say, Hey, let's try again. So that's what a studio is. Right. As compared to a VC, which is like, I'm going to put money on a hundred bets. One of them's going to pop. I kind of don't care about the rest. And then I'm just going to keep doing that year after year. Right. Right. Um, So you need to be a studio where people are like, oh, this is my place. This is where I'm going to learn my craft. Right. And I'm going to be able to um, thrive because they believe in me. Right. Right. So they're going to keep reinvesting. So that's one um, one part of it. Another part of it, as an example, is um, investing in places that are just off the beaten path. Like I have a sister-in-law in India, and she wanted to do this little business related to... Um, scarves that are used to decorate weddings. And she was running around trying to get a loan, you know, 50,000 rupees, which is not very much money. Um, No one would give it to her. You know, it's like, you just could not, could not get the money. It's like, ah, I'll give you 50,000 rupees. Um, And then suddenly it's like, she got her first order. And then she used the money, the profit from that, it was like three X profits, right? It's exponential. Yeah. Reinvested that, got the next order, got the next order, got the next bigger order. She just kept reinvesting, you know, and now the orders are really big, and she's making a ton of money because I gave her fifty thousand rupees. Right? That's it. It's a little it, capital. It wasn't, it wasn't, yeah. It's just a small amount of capital, so it's like it's it's not that it's huge. It's just they have no access to it. Like you said before, it's about access. So access. capital is just like anything else. You, you just need access to it. Um, so, yeah, you're right. These uh, budding entrepreneurs, they just need access to various things. And that's what I'm trying to do with my, um, I call it Wave Studio, um, William A. Adams Ventures Studio. Uh, so Wave Studio is exactly about that. There's room for a new model where it's like, yeah, you're not going to concentrate all the money and hand out 50 million at a time. It's like, let let a thousand uh, venture studios bloom.
1: <laughs> you're creating software experiences now around AI and conversational computing. How are you putting yeah. some of this into the work that you're doing now?
0: Oh, it's, it's pretty straightforward stuff. Um There's very low level stuff and then there's higher level stuff. And I'll just give you an example. I was creating this um, mapping application uh, for my brother who runs a fiber optic network uh, in the Caribbean. And they needed to present certain kinds of data like, oh, they need to get this grant from the federal government. So they need to show uh, where are all the public housing units so that they can show uh, where they need to put Wi-Fi because that's where they want to focus their attention well, okay, I'm not going to use Google Maps or Bing Maps and stuff like that because it's a, it's just a, a hard way to do everything. Um, so I created this whole mapping infrastructure um, from scratch, if you can mm-hmm. imagine. And um, me, single programmer, uh, I use Copilot while I program. Copilot mm-hmm. is a, um, a tool that helps you write code. Yeah. And it literally, I can type... A single comment and it'll generate 20 lines of code. Um, so at the very lowest level, it's that—it's having um, the AI help me write the code. Uh, another thing that you have to do when you're dealing with things like maps is you have to ingest various kinds of data, and invariably this data is just arcane. You know, there's these things called shape files, which have um, DB, DBase files inside them. You know, it's like DBase, that's from like the 80s. <laughs> you know, yeah. so um, in a lot of cases, I write code that knows how to read these esoteric data files, and then I can feed some model to say, okay, access that. And it says, oh, okay, well, the API that you created for me is this thing, therefore I can access that. At a much higher level, uh, I recognize that these applications uh, typically you had to pay a consultancy or someone like that to put together an app like this. And they charge you hundreds of thousands of dollars and take a whole long time and blah, blah, blah. Well, we don't want that. We want um, my brother to be able to say things um, like, "Okay, uh, we want to show a map that has all the bus stops uh, in the territory on it. And he's going to do this once in a while. Um, he's not going to become an expert in this app. There's this thing called Arc GIS, which is like the be-all, end-all of um, global information systems. And it's like the book on it is like that thick, and there's people that charge millions of dollars to play with it. It's like, okay, he can't afford that, but he needs to do the same things that that system does, mm-hmm. right? So verbally, he can just say what he wants. So that's the first level of AI is just taking... Um, speech-to-text, right? right? And then the commands, once you have the commands just translated, you can now feed that into uh, a backend, a large language model, if you will, that will turn that into commands to the system itself. So this large language model knows about the commands for the system, the yeah. mapping system. Yeah. So he can just, you know, he hasn't touched the system for six months. He can bring it up and say, um, Show me how much it's going to cost me to put a fiber line between this housing unit and that trunk line right there. And it knows all of this. It knows the formula for how to calculate per mile. It knows how to calculate the distance between two points. It knows how to display a graph. It'll generate a graphic. It'll display it on the screen. And it'll give the calculation, oh, it's going to cost, you know, uh, $5 million, whatever it is. Um, There you go great take that image put it in a pdf and attach it to this email to send for this grant that we're currently applying for well it knows how to create a pdf it knows how to send an email it knows that it knows what the grant is it knows the email address of the the place he's supposed to send this grant blah 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 so this is how the system helps him right mm. These are all steps that in the past he would have had to either pay a consultancy or he would have had to have someone on staff full time who's like into this system because it's fairly complex. Right. And if he wants to do anything new, it's like, oh, now I've got to wait a few months while someone codes that up. So that's how you use AI. It's like someone like my brother, who's a CEO kind of person, not a tech kind of person, um, can just say what they need. And behind the scenes, you've done enough of the plumbing and and composition of small pieces that a system can stitch it together and provide you with a solution, right? Yeah. That's how you use AI. It's like, it has nothing to do with it taking your job or, you know, oppressing you or any of these other things. It's just really (laughs) practical, right? It's like, at some point we got mouse and keyboards. We used to flip switches on on computers, right? And then... We got punch cards and then we got keyboards and mice and screens and you know it's just the next evolution it's like you should be able to it's 2023 yo you should be able to talk to the computer you know and have it figure out what you want and give it to you without having to say oh bring up google maps now do the following you know it's like why do i just do the thing (laughs) Right.
1: Beyond the keyboard. Right. You know, it's like.
0: Beyond the keyboard, beyond the app. So I'm breaking the app model. It's like, forget the apps. Who cares? You know, it's like the computer's there. I don't want to live in the domain of the apps that were specified by the mega companies. Right. It's like, oh, well, if you want to do anything with a map, you have to go to Google Maps or Bing Maps. Like, no. Mapping data is just this. (laughs) I know how to display graphics. I don't need to go into your domain Google and give you all my money and all my data, right? Why do I have to do that? I can just do what I need to do,
1: (laughs) right? (laughs) Google, Uber, Alice. No, totally, totally.
0: Yeah, so that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm basically just challenging the app model. And it's like, ah, you don't need all that stuff. I mean, for very simple things, you need very simple apps that could be composed by AI tools, right?
1: No, and uh, and the wonderful thing is the multimodality. I mean the ability to talk yeah. to whatever you're comfortable as a person right. communicating to. That's like revolutionary. Though it's interesting. I'm, I've been looking a lot at on um, like interfaces and UIs as people come into this stuff because you look at ChatGPT, plain vanilla. I can see why a lot of users un- mistakenly think it's a search engine because they're mm. right, they're so programmed to Google. Which you know I'm trying to train them out of it. Like, well, not really. I mean, it's not really a search engine. And then I see, so they spend about eight minutes there. And then I'm seeing character AI and they're spending two hours and there's millions of people. And I'm not saying it's just character AI, but I'm like, I'm wondering, is it because that avatar, whether it's Einstein or a tutor or just whatever you make up, Elon Musk, I mean, I know they're fake and, and yeah. I don't think anybody has the illusion, but is it the fact that it almost has a face, a persona, an avatar Make it easier for them to be able to flow more comfortably. than and I'm a writer, typing. so yeah, me looking at a blank screen is about my life. So, so <laughs> it's not a new interface. I know how small that is and how intimidating that is—the blank page to most people.
0: Yeah, I think it ha- mm, per, per, personifying it, uh, putting a, a face to it, I think is helpful for people. Uh, like you said, I mean, the interface might be exactly the same. You know, it's just words that you type or you say, yeah. um, but when there's a little, even when we had Clippy, <laughs> as much as hated as Clippy was, <laughs> totally. it's like having a, I, I'll, I'll give you one experience that, that we saw way back in the next days um, uh, when we were doing software on the next computers way back, you know, in the nineties um, we, we did this thing where a lot of our, our software would give um, audio prompts mm-hmm. So um, if a thing popped up and it says, you know, is this okay? And, of course, you're supposed to click the button that says okay. But user studies, you know, we we would have something that's like, blah, blah, blah. The following is going to happen. Is this okay? And one of our users leaned into the microphone and said, yes. And it's like, aha. (laughs) They... They do want to talk. I mean, the machine talked to them, so they naturally expected to talk back to the machine, you know. But at that time, we were just being cute and giving some verbal, you know, output. But they expected to talk to the machine. It's like, yeah, if you make it possible for people to talk to the machine reasonably, they'll want to do it. Um, now, I don't want to talk to the machine all the time. Some operations are faster with a keyboard or a mouse or whatever. Yeah. But realistically, what you want to do is make all modalities possible so they can do what they want to do rather the way than they forcing them to do, them to do what you want them to do
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and it's it's just crazy like in the way they want it the way that they naturally whatever yeah for whatever reason that works for them and now right. it's like so uh, i mean it's so beautiful to see this almost like so obvious in so many interfaces
0: yeah. and this is this is the um I mean, you asked me, how are you using AI practically in, in applications? And it's like, these are the things that go far beyond the hype cycle, right? Because it's like, yeah, 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 there's going to be all this world dominant AI super duper, blah, blah, blah. But did you know that within the next five years, you are going to be able to do verbal input, right? It's just simple things. Did you know that, you know, within this amount of time, um, you won't be using applications anymore. You'll just be doing what you need to do, (laughs) right? Did you know that you'll be able to walk around, you'll be able to take your computing with you, have universal voice input no matter where you are. It's all these little things that are also in this AI realm um, that will also come and we just won't really notice because everyone's focused on the big bangs, Right. right? right? like, yeah, there's the Big Bang, but did you know that we created machine guns too? <laughs> <laughs> right? Wait, yeah, what's
1: Elon doing? Yeah, no, no, totally, the Elon obsession, which is a good yeah, obsession. Yeah, I success, mean, he's, but... he's
0: gonna go to Mars. Like, yeah, that's great, but did you know that we're gonna manufacture drugs in space? Yeah, right?
1: <laughs> that's insane. So. The whole moon developing drugs and without gravity, I mean,
0: wow. The AI Optimist.
1: My name's Declan, and I'm done. See you next time.